Amen. Well, it is an honor and privilege to be able to share um, just what God's been doing in my own life, in my own heart. One of the things that I've found out over the years is that if God is moving and working in my life, it's a whole lot easier to share with others. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul's life and, and see how God had changed him and he had transformed him. And, and, and Paul's not going to run from his past. Instead, he's going to use everything that he's experienced to point glory and honor to Christ. And this Christmas season that we just went through, I pray that that's all of our hearts, that we just say, God, I just want to honor you and I want to live for you. As this morning, as, as we're going to take a look at that, each of us have a different calling, a different way that God has moved in our hearts, a different way that we've come to know Christ. And I think for some of us, we look at our stories and say, you know, maybe they're just not that interesting. Or other ones look at it and say, man, I've done so much stuff in the past that I couldn't possibly share where I once was. But I want to encourage you, church, that the greatest testimony and the greatest scripture that people can ever see is a transformed life and heart that's, that Jesus has worked in their lives so powerfully that they're not the same. That encounter should lead us to a daily surrendering of our wills, too. I, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I am not the same person I was 30 years ago when I gave my life to Christ. I know I told that to our students, and they're like, but you're 24. I'm like, I wish. But, uh, you know, God has changed me. He's moving me. He's constantly showing me areas. Dan, you know, that was an unkind word you said. Or, or Dan, maybe you should have handled this different. And, and as I say, Lord, would you just encourage me? Would you use me? Would you work in my life? We become more like him. And the things that haunt us most about our past can actually become a reflection of God's truth and grace and glory. And we're going to see that in the Apostle Paul today. And just two days ago, we, we stood up here and Pastor Sean read from Matthew one twenty one, And this has sort of been my theme verse going for this Christmas season. And it says, she will give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God saw fit to love me enough to send his only son Jesus to die for me. Do you know all throughout Scripture, and Paul, all, all of his writings, each book that he writes, he mentions how God has redeemed him. He uses this word grace and this word forgiveness over and over and over again. Why? Because he can't do anything else but to give God glory for what he's done in his life. I pray that that would be true for each one of us. And even as I was looking at the start of this message, I had like four or five great illustrations. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I'm going to read the, um, the whole testimony of, of how some of these, these famous preachers came to know Christ and how they were lost. And God convicted me, you know, Dan, if you're going to be sharing about changed lives and how we can make an impact for the kingdom, man, maybe you should start with your own. And I, I want to go back to when I was in college, um, I, I was blessed to go to college and meet at Malone and meet my wife. And, um, but there was a time that in my own life, I was really struggling with my faith and seeing where I really was. I was leading worship for um, all the chapel services for about 1,500 students a few times a week. And um, yet I was having some people speaking to my life that were teaching me that I couldn't trust God's word. They were teaching me that, that I could lose my salvation. And here I am, a college student, and I'm struggling with my language. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with bitterness. And I would get up to lead and I was like, God, I feel like the biggest phony there is in the world sometimes. And then through the process, 
though, I met with a, a pastor at the college, Randy Heckard, and he sat, sat in his office and I said, Pastor Randy, I, I don't know, I, I'm so confused to where to really stand on these things. He said, Dan, what does God's word say? He said, Let, open up your heart to what does God's word say about scripture itself? Well, it's all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, preaching, and rebuking then you could trust it, Dan. What does God's word say about yourself? Well, it says that, that, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that God loved me enough to send his only son, Jesus, to die for me. And then he took me to John 10, 28. And he says, says this, it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the, my Father's hand. And in the NIV it actually adds, not even the Son of Man. And he looked at me and said, Dan, if Jesus Christ can't remove you from God's love, how arrogant do you think you have to be to think that you can? And I was like, oh? Right? Like, I was like, you know, he just called me arrogant. You know, he's not being encouraging. And what he was saying is, Dan, God's plans are so much better than your own. Church, I hope that you see today as we look for the scripture that God's plans for our lives are so much better. They're so much deeper than we could ever imagine. Today we're going to be in our text in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. And then we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 11, starting verse 33, going through 12 2. But as we're going through this, the apostle Paul is, is, is going to give his message to the church of Galatia. And, and he's going to challenge them. The fact that they, were, they once had this faith where they said, Jesus, we want to love you. We want to serve you. Jesus, you're the only way to heaven. You're the only way to have a relationship with the Father. And then these outside influencers came in and they start diminishing the gospel. And doubt started creeping in. They started thinking, maybe I can do it on my own. Maybe it's really about my righteousness. And they start going back to the law, the very things that, that God had freed them from. And so Paul didn't go on Facebook and say, church in Galatia, you're all a bunch of idiots. No, he didn't do that, right? He didn't say, say you fools. What he did is say, can I tell you my story, what God's done in my life? Church, the greatest testimony to someone else is us being open and honest and say, here's the things that God has redeemed me from. Here's the things that he has saved me from. And a lot of us are afraid to actually share our past because we're afraid of what people would think. But Paul has a heart that says, I just want to glorify and honor God. Church, what would Hope Church be like in our community if we said, we're a group of people that just seeks to honor God? And so many of those in the church, I love what Todd Wilson says he describes their faith as one having buyer's remorse. Instead of clinging to Jesus and his grace, they were starting to turn towards the teaching of the Judaizers that taught that, that if you only do enough good things that God will and, that, and hold to these unattainable laws, that God will love you. In turning to their own strengths, they were tired, they were confused, they were apathetic, and they start slipping into sin patterns that they had once been freed from. Why? Because they were trying to do it on their own. And so Paul, in, in graciousness and, and love, he would even go on to challenge the Apostle Peter. Isn't it good to know that we're not the only ones that, that fall short? That here's the Apostle Peter, and Paul would later on go and say, hey, in Galatians 2 and 3, I even challenged Peter to his face. But Paul's heart was for them to know that Jesus is enough. Church, let me say this, Jesus is enough. That the gospel that we know and the truth of the gospel is that we've all sinned and fallen short and Jesus Christ left his place on high, came down to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life and died for us. 
In, in verse 10, right before our text picks up, the Apostle Paul says, I am not trying to win the approval of human beings, or am I trying to win the human approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul makes it very clear that his whole mission is to serve Christ. I used to love when Pastor Jim would say in his messages and even in the office, I just want to live a life that glorifies and honors God. Why would Paul say this? Because he knew what God had redeemed him from. He knew where he was before Christ. He knew the lostness. He knew his, his position. He knew that only God could save him. So the first thing we're going to look at here today is God can use us in spite of our past. Why? Because it isn't about us. I, I, can I tell you, I don't get to stand up here and lead worship or preach or work with the teenagers because I'm just like the best person in the world. My wife and kids will tell you that's not true. Especially Evelyn. But it's because Christ, in his mercy, has called me. Anything that we can accomplish is only by God's grace. And so we're going to look here, and starting in verse 11, it says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not of man's gospel. Why is he saying this? Because he had preached to them before, and they had given their lives to Christ, and now they're wondering, is this really trustworthy? He says, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it but I received it for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not here because, because I'm so perfect. In fact, Paul's past, it would be really hard to be elected to the elder board at any church would say, yeah, well, I sort of killed Christians in the past. You know? But Paul was able to do this because Christ's miracle working power in his life. And verse 13 says, For you have heard that in my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Paul was quick to look at it and say, Look, in my past, you guys know where I stood before. I, I, I was opposed to the gospel. I, I, I vehemently tried to persecute the church and was there for the first stoning of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. And yet Paul says, but God in his infinite grace and wisdom chose to use me. Church, what are the things that in your past you're looking at and saying, God could never use me? Or maybe, maybe you're here today and say, God could never desire a relationship with me because how, how big of a sinner I am. Paul would also go on to say in other passages that he's the chief of sinners. He'd go on to say, say things like, if we say that we have no sin in us, we make Christ a liar. I'm so glad the fact that God knows me. The apostle Paul has spent his life trying to accomplish his own spiritual walk and his own power. He had advanced past many others, yet ultimately it left him be filled with anger, rage, malice, and a life where he persecuted the church. The transformation that took place in his life and the transformed life isn't about ritual or not, it's not about how spiritual we can be. It's about revival and surrendering our wills to his. Knowing that there's an infinitely loving father who loves us so much that we can trust in him. When God calls those that are flawed, 
Anything they accomplish is only really by his strength. And so our whole purpose and, and why God uses broken people is because when people look at them and say, man, Dan or Sean or, or, or Justina or anyone, they're such great people. They look and say, God is so good. Look at how he's changed their lives. In fact, in Romans 10, 9, we read these simple words, because if we confess our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What part of that says that it's all about how good we are or the things that we do? It's about placing our trust and love and hope in a perfect Savior. Because of how drastic Paul's conversion was and how unworthy he felt at times, he knew that anything he could accomplish was only by the Lord. One of the things that we see a lot of times in our culture is we have the desire to want to be in positions or in powers or to move up rather than saying, God, how can you be glorified or exalted? How would that change your family dynamic? How would that change work? How would that change your neighborhood? If you said, God, I just want to honor you. I just want to glorify you. And so we continue on to verses 15 for 17. And Paul says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who had called me into his grace, see, Paul realized that even in his lostness, God had a plan for his life. Let me tell you this, that God has a plan for your life. And his plan is for you to honor and glorify him. Guess what? I don't know what God's plan is, is in each step of the way. But all I know is that if I, if I trust in him, man, he's gracious. He's loving. He's kind. Paul's conversion was, was, was to the point too, and as we see in verse 16, he says, was pleased to reveal his son to me. God delights in peop lost people coming to know him. You might be here today and say, I don't have a relationship with God. In fact, I feel so far away from him. God delights in revealing his son to you. Why? Because he loves you enough to send his only son. Guess what? I would die for any of you guys. <clears throat> I could not give up my son. I'm just not that good of a guy. I, I, I would take a bowl and say, he is one of the most precious things in my life. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we were sitting at home, and he goes, Dad, I'm going to get suspended. I'm like, okay, this is a good story starter, right? Uh, we, we need to start here. He goes, well, Dad, uh, my school said that in an active shooting situation, that we're to leave our friends if they're in the hallway and they're injured, and to go and save ourselves. And he said, Dad... I know Jesus. I know where I'm going. My friends may not. And so I just told them they're going to have to suspend me because I'm going to do whatever I can to help them. So I, obviously I started praying like, our oh, Lord, protect our schools, protect our kids. But you know, you look at that kind of life and that's the love that Jesus had for us. And he says this, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See, God didn't just transform his life so he can say, oh good, I'm holy, look, I'm forgiven. It was to make an impact for the kingdom, to give his name glory. And Paul says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You see, I underline that word Damascus. When Paul's life was met by Jesus Christ, he was on the road to Damascus to persecute the Christians and, and, and to cause more chaos and more harm. And yet God, in his infinite mercy, blinded Paul, knocked him down to his knees. And Jesus called out to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And yet God would call him to go back to the very place 
where he was headed to cause destruction? Who thinks of these things? Only God could do this. And so we're, we're called by God's grace into a different life. And some of you may be here today and say, God can never use my story. God, I can't be a part of this. And God says, might be saying to you, I want to take you back to the very things you struggled with because there might be a young woman or a young man that needs to hear how God has worked in your life. Can I tell you one of the greatest things I love seeing is, is new believers. Why? Because they don't know any better. <laughs> They just go and tell everyone what Jesus has done in their lives. And, and somehow we become stagnant where sometimes we forget the joy and excitement of, of what Jesus has done in our lives. Why? Because it should be a continual progression. That we're not the same person. I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago, praise God. I'm not the same person I was five years ago or even a year ago. Because we're being made and transformed into God's life. So Paul gives glory for his changed life. Because he was called by God's grace. He realizes it wasn't any position that, that he desired. It was something that God gave him. In his former life, he wanted to move up the ranks. He thought, all right, I'm going to keep moving up. I'm going to continue to advance. And he even states that he was more advanced than all those his age. But what is your backstory? How may the Lord use you? Are you afraid to share your, your testimony or story because what people may think? We see that when the Lord would call Paul early in his faith, he goes back to Damascus. What do you think the conversations were like there? He's preaching in the synagogue. He's preaching in the temple. And, and, and that's where he started. Even though he's called to minister to the Gentiles, he starts off preaching to his fellow Jews that he served with, that he killed Christians with. And he's preaching the exalted and resurrected Jesus Christ. And how is the greatest, what's the greatest example? His life has changed. I tell you what. There's no campaign plan that we could ever do here at Hope Church that would reach the city of Brunswick or Medina as much as changed and transformed lives that by the power of the gospel. I mean it. If we start living differently, if we say, God, would you, would you work in our lives? Would you change us? Would you make us more like you? People are going to see it and they're going to be drawn to it. Earlier in Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul is constantly reminded of his own life and what Christ has done for him. He says, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to what? Deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, his whole life says, my desire is to give God glory because of what he's done in my life. Church, if we come to this building and we don't change at all, and we don't spend time with God in his word during the week or in prayer, we're not allowing the full gospel to manifest in our own hearts and in our city and our life. I don't know about you, but I want to see revival take place in Brunswick and Medina and, and North Royalton and Strongsville. And it starts with hearts that are changed. Paul also realizes in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, this by grace he has been saved. That it's, it's by faith. It's not anything he's done. And he says this in verse 9. He says, as, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. And he ends verse 8. It is a gift from God. Also, we need to be humble before God. We need to seek his heart and will in our own lives. And to say, what God desires a heart, says, God, would you reveal to me, is there something in my heart that I need to change? Listen, I think a lot of times we talk about the transformation that takes place, and we think that it's, it's right before you came to know Christ, and where you are a month later. 
But, but can I tell you that God can use a changed life of someone who's a Christian, but their heart is hardened. They're angry towards people. They're bitter towards people. And you want to know why? Because God has worked in my own heart and life in that way. I've dealt with for years and being angry at people or being bitter and being resentful at things. And one of the things that God has done in my own life is a few years ago, two years ago, God laid on my heart that my theme was going to be own my stuff, own my mistakes that year. And this year, God's been laying on my heart just to say, Dan, I want you to have an open heart that says, Lord, would you search me? Would you know me? And I love Psalm 139, verses 23 for 24 says this. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. What humility to fall before the Savior and say, would you, would you, would you search my heart, God? And as you do that, what you'll find out is you're not going to find a a, 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 a dictating God who's just going to beat you up and, and tear you down. Instead, he's going to lead you graciously into the arms of Jesus and, and, and show you grace and mercy. Why? Because when Jesus died for us, he already knew everything that we had done. But Paul would allow God to work in his life in such a way that he couldn't help but share the gospel. It just oozes out of him. Everywhere he goes, he's proclaiming, hey, look at where I once was, and here's what Jesus has done. It wasn't, look at Paul, the eloquent speaker. In fact, there's later on, there's people who would come to him and say, hey, these people, this person's baptizing, you're converts. He says, praise God, it's not about me. Our egos seem to slip away. And here's what Paul realized, and here's one of the core tenets in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Lost people matter to God. How does Paul know this? Because he was one. How do we know that? Because before Christ, we all were. And Paul, somehow, God would continue to remind him over the course of his life of his lostness and his need for Christ. And what, what we find out is one of the questions people asked is, what is my purpose? Where do I really stand? In fact, the New York Times did a study, and only 25% of people in America, adults, said they have any sense of what their purpose is in life. Another 75, there was about 40% that said, said maybe they do, maybe they don't, but 75% said we really don't know what we're, we're here for. Can I tell you this, that our purpose in Jesus Christ is to glorify and honor God. It's to live life, to say, Jesus, whatever you want from me, God, I want, I, I want to serve you. That means that if you're cleaning the toilets at church because that's what God's called you to do, then you're serving, honoring God. If it's, if it's saying sorry to someone that you've wronged, then you're honoring God. If, it, if it's saying, God, there's things in my life that I need to get rid of. Maybe it's the things we watch, the things we listen to, the things that we, um, we, we put in our lives. God's just saying, would you give it to me? I love David Platt. I've heard him say this many times. He says, Church, the transformed body of Christ, meaning you and I, is plan A for reaching the lost. And there is no plan B. And that doesn't come because you're the most eloquent speaker or because you, can, you, know, you know every scripture. It comes because a transformed believer should be different than the way we once were. 
In verse 18, he continues on here. And he says, Then after three years, I went up into Jerusalem to visit Cephas, which is Peter, and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw that none of the, saw none of the other apostles, except for James, the Lord's brother, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Oh, words are hard sometimes. Cilicia. <laughs> and I went, and I still was unknown in person to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And now they what? They glorified God because of me. Once again, Paul's going back to the fact, listen, I don't care if they know anything else about me other than Jesus Christ has changed me. I hear a lot of times people say, I, I, I'm just not my gift to share the gospel or to, to tell other people. Church, as a believer in Christ, you don't have an option. I love the song, This Is My Story, This Is My Song, because each of us have a different song, or we sing How Great Thou Art, and there's words in there that just talk about, about the fact that God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to love us and show us mercy and show us grace. The second point here, the transformed life seeks, uh, seeks God's glory and not our own. I love Paul's heart here because he is exclaiming that, friends, as God has used him, he continued to see God's glory revealed to others. Paul's greatest joy was God's glory. It wasn't his own. He was saved by grace in Jesus Christ alone. And yet that grace would call him into a life and adventure and service for the king. Can I tell you that our lives are not boring when you submit to Jesus Christ? I don't know, but there's crazy stuff that happens all the time in our family and people that God brings in our lives and we'll be on vacation. God will bring people and it's not because of us. It's just something that God does for his glory. But a transformed life should be different because Jesus Christ is still working. And if we believe he's alive, active, and working today, then our lives better reflect it. I love this. J.I. Packer says this. The truth is that we were justified by faith alone. The faith that justifies is never alone, though. It always produces good fruit, good works, and a transformed life. And some of you may be struggling with where you're at in that. I just want to encourage you. The Lord Jesus does not change. If he was gracious to you at the time of coming to know him, He's still gracious to you today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul would spend three years, and, and part of it is he's in Damascus, of all places. He's learning from Jesus. Jesus is working in his life. He's changing, and he's proclaiming the gospel in the very place that caused him pain, and he inflicted pain. And I believe that this ministry was a big part because of people's curiosity over how God could change such a vile man. Even the fact that the first few years of ministry amongst the fellow Jews he would serve with is just a testimony to the fact that God can use you sometimes in the darkest pains in your life to go and bring healing to a world that needs a Savior. A lot of times, church, I think we're quick to dismiss our past and we strive for leadership positions. But it's important to see that Paul didn't do that. In fact, he said, here's my past. I'm an open book. 
The great thing about being an open book is if you're a believer in Christ, you can, people can see a transformed life. And if there's things in your life that you're ashamed of, today's the day you surrender them to Christ. Say, God, would you work in this area of my life? Would you help me to be loving? Would you help me to be kind? In fact, word spread about Paul's changed life as he continued to grow in the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, right after his conversion, in verses 19 through 22, it says this, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all, of this, all, all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem, of those who called upon this name? And has he not yet come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. How did he do this? They saw there was a difference. They saw the changed life. They knew his past. And you might be in situations where you say, I can't go there because they know my past. Or maybe you're inside the church. You say, they wouldn't really love me if they knew who I was. Can I tell you this? There's a Savior who already knows everything about you. It's like when I, when I ask my kids, did you do this? They're like, no, I didn't do it. It's like, we know, right? God knows everything. And he wants us to have a heart that surrenders to him. Now we're going to turn our, our attention to Paul's instruction here as we get ready to close here today. The last point is that we are called to be transformed into Christ's image. And Paul always brings glory to God. I love the worship songs we, we sing. My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. And the first, uh, first second verse says, Come and worship, do not be afraid. When you are worshiping the Savior and your, your faith is in him, guess what? There's perfect peace. And Paul starts off in, in, in verse 33. Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how instructable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given the gift to him that he might be repaid? God's wisdom is so much higher than ours. The fact that God would choose Dan Kenyon to be in a position where he would share his word and reach out to teenagers doesn't make sense to me, but to God it makes perfect sense. Why God would have you in your situations, in your family and work, and, and, and say, I want to use you, may not make sense to you. But to the Lord, it does. Pastor Sean often says, and it's one of our core tenets here at our church, that we take God at his word. Do you know you can trust God's word? Do you know it's perfect, it's holy, it's flawless, it's, and it's, it's inerrant, that, that what God says to us, we can trust. And this means that in every fast of our life, we're willing to say, Lord, I trust your ways above mine. If you say something is a sin in my life, then God, would you remove it? God, if I'm being bitter or angry or jealous towards someone, Lord, would you search my heart? Lord, would you show me in your word if I need to change? I will tell you this, though. I have a Planet Fitness membership. Good, no laughs. Okay, good. Um, I, I appreciate that. Do you know that membership has not transformed my life like I, I really intended it to this year? Um, I don't think it's Planet Fitness's fault. I think it's the fact I went in there twice, okay? Um, if you look at your faith, you look at your life, say, I don't feel transformed, but you're not spending time in prayer. You're not spending time in God's word. You're not saying, God, would you teach me? Would you mold me? Would you make me like you? 
then there's a good chance it's not God's fault. In fact, as Paul would go on, we also see in Scripture that Paul talks about the fact that prayer plays a huge role in the transformation of a believer's heart. J. Oswald Sanders says this in his book, Spiritual Leadership. He says, people who are skeptical about prayer's validity and power are usually those who do not practice it seriously or they fail to obey when God reveals his will to them. We cannot learn about praying except by praying. No philosophy has ever taught a soul how to pray. The intellectual problems associated with prayer are met in joy with the answered prayer and closer fellowship with God. Verse 36, he says, again, what does he do? He brings glory to God because of what he's done. He says, for uh, for from him and through him and to him all things are, are all things. And to him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul's saying, I'm going to continue to give God glory and honor. Church, how do we do this in the way that we live at work? How do we do this in the way that we live with our families? Guess what? Families can hurt us. Can we be honest there? But how do we show grace? How do we say, God, I want to be the kind of heart that I'm so gracious that I'm quick to overlook it. Why? Because you've been gracious to me. God, I remember what you've redeemed and saved me from. When we're all alone and no one sees us but the Lord, are we giving God glory? In the way that we treat others, are we giving God glory? And in the way we continue to allow the Lord to work in our lives, are we allowing him to transform us that we can't help but say, let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done in my life. The sole purpose of every believer should bring bring glory and honor to God. I love in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I love in the NIV, it says, by the daily renewing of your mind that by the testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is, is good and acceptable and perfect. Church, my prayer is that, that because of God's mercy, that we were offer ourselves, say, God, would you use me? Would you work in my heart? Would you, God, I want to be a vessel for you so that others can experience the joy and freedom and hope that I have with you. And I love Martin Luther King Jr.'s last message that he gave Before his life was taken, he said this, Like anybody, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And so I am happy tonight that I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming Lord. Church, if God has revealed himself to you, if you have a relationship with him, that should be our main concern and hope. How do we need to be transformed by the daily renewing of our mind? How do we need to say, God, would you work in my life? And, and I love Charles Stanley's quote here as we fin- get ready to finish. He says this, The renewing of the mind is like 
refreshing furniture. It is a two-stage process. It involves taking off the old and replacing it with the new. The old is the lies you have learned to tell or were taught by those around you. It is the attitudes and the ideas that have become part of your thinking, but do not reflect reality. The new truth, the new is the truth. To renew your mind is to involve yourself in the process of allowing God to bring to the surface what lies you have mistakenly accepted and replace them with truth. To the degree that you do this, your behavior will be transformed. Church, I lament that that too many that I love and I care for, some that have stood on platforms sharing the gospel, some that have just, I've done ministry with over the years, or I, I, I've, I've got to see come to know Christ, have walked away from the gospel, not because of the fact that, that, that it's not real or active or alive, but because sometimes it calls us to die to ourselves and say, God, would you work in my life? I'm so glad that God did that in the Apostle Paul's life. And we're going to end with these three last questions for you. As you're here today, How can God use your past for his glory? What story do you have to share of what Jesus has done in your life that that may make a profound impact in someone's life? Secondly, what are the things that you need to ask the Lord to search your heart and remove? What are the things that you're saying, God, would you search me? God, God, maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's, it's your anger towards people. Maybe it's forgiveness that you need to show others. And God's saying, today I want to work with you in that. Or maybe you haven't come to the point of surrendering your will to God's and today he's saying, listen, today's the day that I'm saying, would you, would you trust me? Would you give me your heart? I'm gracious, I'm kind. And I'm gonna end with the words here from William Spencer Walton. He says, in tenderness he sought me, weary and sick with sin. And on his shoulders he brought me into his flock again. While angels in his presence sang, until the courts of heaven rang. Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the flock. Wondrous grace that brought me to the flock. Lord Jesus, I pray that as as we leave here today, Lord, that we would live in such a way that would honor you, glorify you. God, I pray for our, our, all of our lives, Lord, here today, that you would help us to be humble people that would just surrender to you, Lord, that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't seek to exalt ourselves. But God, as we share the story of what you've done in each of our lives, Lord, that others in Brunswick and Medina and North Royalton and, and Strongsville who are lost in going to a real physical place called hell without you, would hear the gospel and would hear the truth. Why? Not because we're perfect people, because you're a perfect Savior who loved a sinner and a wretch like us. And Lord, may you use Hope Church to make an impact for your kingdom because you deserve the glory. In your precious and holy name, amen.